Well, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning. I want to greet you in Jesus' name. It's, uh, it's been, uh, coming here to Bible school brings back a lot of memories of, of years past. Uh, it's been nearly 50 years that I first went to Bible school. And, and I wonder if anybody came without anybody knowing, just how many of you knew only about two people here when you came? Yeah, nobody. How about, how about, does everybody know everybody else now by now? Everybody's name? You know, maybe not. But who you know really makes a difference on when you come to Bible school. Uh, who you know. And uh, I remember the first year that I went, I didn't know very many people. And uh, I decided the next year it's going to change. I'm going to learn to know everybody, and I did, kind of. But we didn't have the means of communication like you all do, but there's, there's fast friends, there's, there's good bonds that are made in those few weeks and that uh, are still in place today. So just a testimony of what Bible school does for you. But thinking about who you know, and this is going to sound like a cliche, but uh, knowing God is going to make all the difference of whether you maximize your opportunity at Bible school. Now, Brother Murray talked to you about maximizing your study time, and I'd like to talk to you about maximizing your opportunity here. And all of you know that God is the creator of heaven and earth. You know that. But uh, there's so much more than that. Uh, if you will, turn your Bibles to, to the book of Jonah. And Jonah is a, is, is a man that's been incredibly underestimated, in my opinion, in some ways. And uh, he's a very very strong man, I think, in some ways. And yet, there were some things that, that he missed out on. We know the story of Jonah. We know that Jonah had a task to do and that he, that he um, um, ran away from that task. But what we don't probably realize about Jonah is that there's not been another person that has been so effective in turning people to God as Jonah. Just read his story. And, and there is, he did it even without trying. In Bible school, sometimes we have a personal evangelism class, and then in that class, there's a lot of effort made to how to approach people and how to, uh, how most of all, it's important that our, that, our own, that our relationship with God is that there's a personal relationship there that we can just communicate that. But, but Jonah turned people to God without even trying to do that. And, and, and that's really amazing. Those of you that know me know that one of my favorite verses is Romans 15, 4, where it says, the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning, 
that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. And so, in our looking back at, at Jonah's life this morning, I'd like to just think about that. It's for our learning, but it's also the end result is that we might have hope. And that's where, it's gonna, that's where we want to come to. But in the story of Jonah, we have Jonah being given a task. Go to Nineveh, God said here in verse, um, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Chapter 1, verse 2. But Jonah arose to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them into Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. What kind of person would get a uh, direct command from God to do something and then turn his back and say, I'm not going to? Uh, sounds like someone that's pretty self-willed and someone that is pretty strong in the wrong kinds of ways. But this is what Jonah did. And there he was, and, and he went down and he slept, it says. And uh, God just stirred up the water, and, and the sea was raging and tumultuous. And, and, he, um, and the people were desperate. And it, when they're desperate, they do desperate things, and they started throwing out their wares and throwing out things to lighten the, the ship to where it would not be so low in the water, where it wouldn't be taking on so much water. And they uh, threw it all out, and eventually they found Jonah and, and said, how can you be sleeping? And there he was. He was sleeping in the ship. And... Um, Um, and then they were desperate to call on God. And here, here's where I thought it was pretty interesting is that, that um, um, here in verse 8, it has a whole list of questions. Or no, verse 6, it says, The shipmaster came to him and said, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said... Everyone to his fellow, come, let us cast lots that we may know whose cause this evil is, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. And they said unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation? Whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am, Hebrew, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God, which made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceeding afraid. And they said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he had fled from the presence of the Lord, because he told them. And there we have um, the reason that... For, for this huge difficulty and their, their desperate situation, they could see clearly that it was Jonah. And they, they tried desperately to bring the ship to land, but they couldn't. 
and Jonah told them that, throw me out and, and uh, you'll have rest. And they, they desperately tried not to, but it, nothing worked, so they did. And here's, here's where I think it's so interesting, where they says, um, thank you. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, lay not, let, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. And they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. And the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the whale. Fish, three days and three nights. So there is where Jonah is turning people to God without even trying. He just told them that he fears the Lord that made the sea, the ground, and and when they when they pitched him overboard, something was ready there for Jonah, and the hearts of the men were turned to God, and they they made sacrifices. They feared the Lord exceedingly. It says, they offered a sacrifice and they made vows. How is that for someone that's an, on a on a um, concerned evangelist or a prophet that didn't, you know, he's got people turning to God without even him putting forth any effort. But then, then we have Jonah's experience in chapter two. And, you know, some of us like to, some of you maybe, uh, like to climb mountains and have a mountaintop experience. My son loves to climb mountains and he, he likes to uh, send me those pictures of that and it's great. But here we have in this chapter a story about a man that went to the bottom of the mountains. And, and I thought that was really interesting just the way it's, it's put here is that Jonas talks about being in the belly of that great fish and he went to the bottom of the mountains and he um, had pretty desperate uh, living conditions, to say in the least. But it was there that he, his heart, uh, his mind again turned to God and and this is, this is what he says. My soul fainted within me, and I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came unto me, and to thee in the holy temple. They that observe lion vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. Now that's, that's got to be uh, an experience that is just not known to anybody else that could survive. There he was, and he's in the belly of the, of the fish, and he's thinking about God, praising him, actually thanking him. 
and and the Lord spake into the fish, and he and he spit them out, and he vomited them out. You know, that's the, the words that he chose, chooses here are pretty graphic. And then the word comes to Jonah again, and this time Jonah is is ready to go. In chapter three, he goes to Nineveh. He um, It says that Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey, and he walked in for a day. How far can you walk in a day? You know, I think that anybody that has any walking ability probably can walk 30 miles in a day. And uh, so if that city was 90 miles across, I don't know. That was a huge city for its day. But Jonah walked all day into the city, started preaching, and, and was incredibly effective. The king heard and, and uh, proclaimed a fast, sackcloth and ashes for every, everybody, sackcloth and ashes for the animals. I can't imagine the, the degree to that repentance. And the, the city was an incredibly wicked city. And Jonah was no doubt happy to uh, declare that God is going to destroy this place in 40 days. He believed it, and they did too. And they, um, they did what they could, and they repented and turned to the God and said, you know, they just, maybe God will have compassion on us. Maybe he will hold off. Maybe he will... Um, verse 9, it says, Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from this fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil, and he said, un and he said, that, he would, that he said he would do unto them, and he did it not. You know, it worked. You know, their, their repentance was genuine, and their... Uh, uh, their salvation was there in their, in their works. But for Jonah, that was a, a huge disappointment. Did you ever see anybody like Jonah? That's just so amazing. Here, you, here he is, the most effective prophet, preacher, that, that probably is in the history of time, and he's unhappy about that. But it pleased Jonah exceedingly, verse 4, chapter 4, rather. And he was very angry, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before them. Therefore I fled before you unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, Take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to live to die than to live. And you know, I just uh, think that is so interesting to see Jonah as a man that recognizes that God is gracious, God is good, God is compassionate, He is merciful, He's slow to anger, He's kind, and He can change His ways. 
I mean, he can change his mind, rather. And Jonah sees all of that, and he is, he is angry. But that's exactly what he experienced in his own life. How could he turn it away from other people? And yet, uh, that's, that's what it was there. He, he, he experienced that himself, but he was not willing that his enemies experienced that. And, uh, you know, maybe Jonah isn't so far removed from us as what it may be, is what we think at first thought. You know, that's, that's entirely possible for us right here today to be there. We, we know that God, we experience a lot of God's grace and a lot of his mercy and a lot of his kindness. And yet, uh, maybe it's easy enough for us to not wish that on other people. But, but there he was. And, but God had mercy on Jonah in another small way, and that is that while he was waiting there for the city to be destroyed, he, he was uh, sitting there on the side, outside the city, and, and um, it was hot, and God just let a gourd grow overnight just a nice shade. You know, there's nothing quite so pleasant as a good shade in the middle of, this, uh, of the hot sun. And there he was, and he had this shade, and he was, he was happy about that, but it, it went away overnight as well, and, and he was angry again, and despaired of his life, and, and just questioning the mercy and the compassion of God, something that he had that he had uh, partaken of himself in a very huge measure, but he was um, not willing that that should be passed on. Now, I'd like to think about another runaway, and that is in, in the New Testament, we have the, the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Here was another person that, that ran away uh, from, from his father, and God is the father that's pictured in this chapter. Verse 11, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there he wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he fain would have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, 
and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field and as he came to draw and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And they said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. You know, this is, this is uh, a story that Jesus shared when he was here, and I think it's the one that tells us directly uh, the most about how God looks at us. Uh, Jesus was just, he was just showing them how God appears. The story is listed as the prodigal son, but it's more about the father and his two sons. And there's, it's like a good piece of literature. There's so many layers to this, to this story that uh, we won't nearly explore them all. But, but I would just like to look at the father in a special way. Here's the father, and the son is asking uh, that for something uh, that is actually an insult to the father. He wants his, he wants his inheritance before his father is dead. And the father gives it to him, which is highly indicative of our choices. It's, you know, God does not, he, today he doesn't necessarily work like he did in Jonah's time, that he tells somebody to do something, if somebody doesn't do it, he makes things rough for them until they're willing to do it. Um, in Hebrews it tells us clearly that the, the, the covenant that God has today are the, is where he will write it in your heart. And, and uh, he puts the want to there and not just the have to. And so, so here's, this, here's this young man that's leaving and he is, he is, and he's wasted his father's goods. He finally comes to him, the end of himself. He turns around and comes back and uh, the father is there waiting and he sees him coming from a long ways off. And, uh, and those of you that are fathers, a little further back there, you know that you can see, you can see your, your uh, children's profiles. You can see that and the things that they walk and the things that they do and so on. But that's what, this hap that's what happened to this man. He, he saw from a long ways off, he saw that this was his son and he ran and, he, and uh, he didn't wait to see what the son was going to say to him. He didn't wait to see uh, that this person is truly repentant. He saw him returning, and he ran, and he fell on his neck and kissed him, it says. And, um, 
And the son, you know, he was totally at the end of himself. He was repentant. But he, he came to God, uh, he came there, and he said, I'm not worthy. But the father said, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. You know, that is so different than, than uh, Jonah's experience, isn't it? Here the, God spoke to Jonah, to the fish. Fish vomited him out on dry land. And that's all it says. So, you know, I suppose Jonah would have loved to have had a long, hot shower. He would have loved to find a laundromat someplace and all of those things, but that probably didn't happen. And so there Jonah was, this unmistakable fishy prophet. Uh, could People could probably... Um, detect his presence maybe a long time before they saw him. And, uh, but when the, when the son returned, the prodigal son returned, the father said, get the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And um, the fact that he was a son uh, the fact that he had wasted his goods and uh, didn't change the fact that, that this was his son and he has returned and he is rejoicing for that. God loves us and he wants us to uh, recognize that and to serve him with that kind of heart. That's really the whole thing, you know? That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to recognize that, that he loves us and that he has given everything and that he wants us to serve him with everything that we have. And that's really the whole point of, of, of Bible school, is to bring us into, a, into that kind of relationship where we see that God has given everything and we give everything in return. And so God bless you as you, as you go on through uh, the remainder of this term, and may this be the best thing that you can learn is that God has done everything and that you give everything back to him. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Lord, as we bow before you, we want to thank you for your love. We want to thank you for the privilege we have of serving you. We want to thank you for your word and the, the blessings of knowing you. Bless the students and staff here today and the faculty and all, is, uh, all the work that is done and all the seed that is sown may bring forth fruit in the lives of each one for generations to come. We ask in your name, amen.